and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Today our guest is a speaker and a coach. Someone who I had the pleasure of meeting at a conference recently, where he delivered one of the most engaging talks about leadership and being aware of the moment. Our guest today is Sean Fair, CEO of Fair Consulting Group. Welcome, Sean. Thank you so much. Please tell us a bit about yourself, what you do, what we need to know about you. Well, I'm a motivational teacher in the realm of leadership, consultative sales, corporate vision. And my core responsibility is to go into organizations, work with the leadership team, and help them to create the right environment for their team members so that their team members are most productive. As you've heard in my speech, leadership is extremely important to create the right environment for your team members. And so my job is to really work with the team members, help them understand what attributes they need to demonstrate on a daily basis to ensure that the people that works for them follows them. And then I also talk about the three different styles of leadership that they must demonstrate on a daily basis to ensure that they're conforming their leadership style to meet the needs of every single individual that actually works for them. That is my primary responsibility when I go into an organization. Awesome. So today our topic will be exactly this, improving one's team through his or her leadership style. But uh, before we jump into the nitty gritty, please let us first clarify what kinds of leadership styles do you differentiate? Well, there's three. The first style is, is called autocratic leadership. Autocratic leadership is basically one who believes in discipline, one who believes in corrective action. Um, They have a my way or the highway mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, They believe that people should follow them exactly the way that they want to be followed. Um, They don't believe in getting feedback from their team members. The only feedback that actually matters is the feedback that's coming from them. And they're the ones that they always are giving their team members direction. They have to follow their direction. That's an autocratic leader. The second style of leadership is called democratic leadership. This particular leader cares about the team members and their feedback. They want all of their team members to get along with one another. They want to get along with their team members, and it is important for the team members to actually like them, right? So it's all about relationships. It's all about connecting with the team members. That's democratic leadership. And the third one is free reign leadership. This is when I have employees who I've worked with for some time. They come in to work with the right attitude. They're very productive in doing their job. They care about what they do on a daily basis. They put forth all the right efforts, and therefore, I share my authority with those individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I allow them to make decisions within the team environment or within their own position without seeking counsel from me. Mm-hmm. That's free reign leadership. But it's important to know, no matter which leadership is your dominant leadership that you can't lead any one of those ways all the time. Mm -hmm. So we are a podcast that is actually aimed at technology companies and technology leaders. 
how do you determine the best leadership style for your team, specifically in a technology-oriented company? It's not about the team more than it is about the individual. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because everyone is different. We all grew up under a different system. Some of us grew up in a different generation, right? You have millennials, you have Gen Xers, you have boomers, you have matures, and now you have Gen Zs coming into the workplace. They've all grown up into a different system and they operate differently, so you can't manage everyone the same way. Or uh, we have some folks that grew up in a single-parent home. Some people grew up in a two-parent home. Some people went to private schools. Some people went to public schools. Some people graduated high school. Some folks didn't. Some people have their bachelor's degree. Some people have their master's degree. Some people have their doctor's degree. Some people grew up under these set of laws, and other folks, they grew up under other laws. We've all been shaped and formed differently. So in order to develop a great team, you have to manage the individuals um, so that they work at the highest level in order to develop a great team. And so you have to start with the individual. Mm -hmm. So what is a tip that we can use when we determine what leadership style is appropriate for the individual that we're working with? Well, first, you have to know the folks that work for you. Mm -hmm. And what I find is that leaders don't take the time to really get to know their employees. In other words, if I have 10 employees, I should know what motivates each one of my employees outside of money. Right? Money is everyone's motivated by money to a certain degree because we need that to live to live. Now, I always tell folks that money is not important, but at the same time, it's right up there with air. People need it. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So in order for you to be effective, you have to know and understand your people and what makes them tick. If I have someone who's been with me for 15 years and they've been productive, many of the times I'm going to lead that person through free reign leadership. It's because they have the experience, they have the knowledge, they've demonstrated they can do the job at a high level. Now, it doesn't mean that I lead that way all the time, but my dominant style of leadership for that person is probably going to lean towards free reign leadership, and they've shown me that they're productive in that kind of environment. But if I have a new hire that's coming through the door, and maybe they've been there for six months or nine months, they're green to the organization, they're still learning. I'm not going to demonstrate free reign leadership because they're just not there yet. I'm going to probably demonstrate more autocratic leadership, give them some direction, make sure I'm holding them accountable until they're confident and competent to do the job. Once I feel that they're confident, then at that point, I may be able to switch over to democratic leadership. See, now that they know and understand the company, they know and understand their jobs, I'm going to rely on some of their feedback at that point in time. And now democratic leadership is probably the most appropriate style at least for a period of time. Mm -hmm. So could you please elaborate a little bit about the differences between democratic leadership and free reign leadership? Yeah, well, absolutely. Now, if I'm demonstrating free reign leadership, I am saying to you, remember, I trust you. In other words, I'm going to allow you to make decisions within your position without seeking counsel from me. In other words, I'm hands off I become more of a resource to that individual. I'm not really acting as a manager. Mm -hmm. If I'm demonstrating democratic leadership, it's not the same because I'm still managing, right? In other words, I may allow you to make a decision, but you're going to give me your feedback first, and we're going to discuss that feedback. I'm going to make sure that we're, we're on the same page before I release you to make that decision. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's an interaction there. 
with free reign, I'm saying, okay, I'm hands off. Go ahead and do your job. You don't need to consult with me, right? Because I trust you wholeheartedly. Democratic leadership, I may allow you to do that, but it's not without my counsel. Mm -hmm. I see. So those different leadership styles seem like the person who is in a leadership position has to kind of change themselves to practice each and every one of the leadership style. How do you train yourself to be able to differentiate these different uh, leadership styles? First off, you have to pay attention. I mean, that, that is really important. In other words, you have to listen and hear and observe your employees on a frequent basis. And based on the situation and circumstance, you have to make a conscious effort to realize what is the best situation based upon the scenario or the circumstance that's being presented to you at that time. And, and this is what I always tell managers. Before you bring an employee into your office, you should actually think the meeting through first. In other words, you should know what questions you're going to ask. You should understand the two or three different responses that you're going to receive from the employee. You should also know the responses to the responses. And based on that information, you're making a conscious decision as to what style of leadership that you should demonstrate. But many times when managers have these one-on-one -on -one conversations with the employees and they're talking about a particular issue, right, they didn't think the meeting through. So quite naturally in that situation, they lean more towards what their dominant style is versus what is best based on the situation that the employee is presenting to them at that time. Mm -hmm. So one first needs to be aware of what their leadership style is generally, and then they need to grow within themselves the other leadership styles. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, absolutely. Because, listen, at the end of the day, we all have a dominant leadership style. Some folks, their dominant style is free reign leadership. They just let their folks do whatever. They're not comfortable holding folks accountable or dealing with any level of conflict. They're just not comfortable with it. But the fact of the matter is, if you are a managerial pro, you should have the ability to hold your folks accountable and to discipline them, even if you're uncomfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Which goes back to your point. It is something that you have to practice. These are skill sets and there has to be ongoing training as well. Mm -hmm. So we have kind of touched on this, but I'm very interested. What kind of general mistakes do you do you see your clients or in your daily life uh, leaders make when they try to practice these different kinds of leadership? I don't think they necessarily make mistakes when they practice this style. The mistake is when they don't practice the style. Mm. That's where the issue is. So the intent is to demonstrate the three styles of leadership, but they don't. They go back and they revert to what they always do. And, and that's the mistake because in many cases, I think I mentioned in my presentation that I, I go into an organization as a neutral figure. And what that means is I'm not on the side of leadership and I'm not on the side of the team members. I'm just on the side of whatever makes the environment the right environment for everyone. So if they're not making that adjustment, then what happens is the team members who knows that the leaders are going through this particular training don't see the results from the training. It then causes an issue with the team members because 
And when I go into an office, I'm working with the leaders, but the team members also know exactly what the leaders are working on in order to build an effective environment. That's how I hold the leaders accountable. See, when the right hand knows what the left hand is doing, there's accountability there. So when you go in an organization, do you help the team get to know the leadership styles while you are helping the team's leader learn these different styles? Absolutely. I teach the leaders. I also teach the team members. You have to do both. Because here's what happens. If I go in and I get leadership excited, right, about autocratic leadership, let's just say that the majority of them are democratic, which is true across the country, at least in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Most of the leaders are democratic leaders, most, about 80%. You'll have another 10 to 15% are free reign leaders. So what happens is the one that people most struggle with is autocratic leadership. So now when I start to train them on autocratic leadership and they start to learn about discipline and accountability, because now they know because they haven't been holding their folks accountable, there is no growth. Guess what they want to start doing? Holding people accountable. They want to start holding folks accountable. But then when you start holding folks accountable and they haven't been held accountable for the past 15, 20 years, then what do you get? I'm sure they will be uncomfortable. You get uncomfortability from the team members and you get conflict. So if you don't address it on both sides, in other words, if the team members don't know that this is being trained and practiced on this end and all of a sudden they just start doing that, then they're wondering what's happening here. We haven't received this kind of level of management in a long time and they're uncomfortable with it. But when they understand the why behind it, it's more acceptable for the team members. In other words, They know and understand by the time I get done with training that it is important for them to be held accountable because if there is no accountability, there is no growth Mm -hmm. on their end. So to people who are listening to us, let's say someone realizes, you know, I'm one of those democratic leaders, somebody whose um, actual most comfortable leadership style is democratic. How should they begin practicing? What are some tips you could give them to get started with their other leadership styles? The best thing that they can do is, number one, go through training, mm-hmm. number one. Number two, there's a few books that they can purchase. One book is called Life Scripts, and Life Scripts is a book that basically it shows you or tells you or demonstrates every single scenario that you'll ever go through with your employee as a manager, and it takes you through the actual talk track. So if it says, okay, here's the particular issue. Now, here's how you're going to address the issue. This is what you're going to say. Now, when you say this to your employees, they're going to come back and say either this, this, or this. And then it has the response to the responses. You probably heard me say this earlier in the podcast. It takes you through the full talk track, and then based off of the information, it tells you what leadership style that you need to demonstrate in that scenario and how you need to demonstrate it. It tells you the tone that you should use. It tells you about being assertive. It also tells you about the plan that you should put in place with that individual to curb that particular behavior. The other book is called Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. It's a great book. It's actually a sales book. It was developed back in 1963 for a company called Xerox for high-end salespeople. But it teaches you the art of asking questions. Mm -hmm. So a great manager, if they wanted to not only address the problem, but understand the cause of the problem. They have to be great at asking all of the right questions, listening, 
and hearing and then addressing those things by asking more questions. That way they understand what actual issue they need to address. And based on that, they can determine which style of leadership that they need to demonstrate. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. So how can these um, leadership styles help leaders improve the performance of the team? These three styles are motivational. In other words, if I'm experienced, I know and understand my job, and you give me flexibility to do my job the way that I would like to. Obviously, that's a motivational factor for an employee. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I demonstrate more effort on a daily basis. Therefore, my productivity goes up. People think that because someone is being led um, with autocratic leadership, that that's a negative, and it's not. If I have a procrastinator on the team, the one style leadership that they need is autocratic leadership. They need a fire lit underneath them at all times. Do you think that that person has a problem with that? I guess not. They don't. And the reason they don't have a problem with it because it's necessary for them to be productive and doing their jobs. They need that push. So every one of these styles of leaderships, they're motivational when they're demonstrated with the right people at the right times and the right circumstance. Mm, that's very interesting. Let's say that uh, people are well versed in um, leadership styles and they practice, improve themselves, and they do a lot of active listening. How can these leadership styles help them to keep their people around? Turnover is a really pressing issue in tech. The leadership styles, they will help them keep the employees, and you'll find that the retention rate goes up when you have one that demonstrates these styles. But it is not the only thing that they need to do in order to retain their employees. It is just one of the factors. The other factor is demonstrating the core attributes that one must demonstrate on a daily basis, which is lead by example, trustworthiness, mutual respect, um, praising the employees when they go above and beyond, and having experience and understanding when they show compassion and empathy uh, for their employees. And so if you're demonstrating the three styles of leadership and you're demonstrating the five critical attributes a leader must demonstrate on a daily basis to ensure that the people that are following them, you'll find that people are going to be productive in that environment and the retention is going to go way up. Mm -hmm. If you're demonstrating the five critical attributes that I just mentioned and you are conforming your leadership style to meet the needs of every individual that works for you, you are considered to be a fair boss and a rare commodity. It is not likely that if you leave that company that you'll ever meet anyone that manages that way again. You'll find one or two of those kinds of leaders in your lifetime in corporate America. Wow. So could you tell us a bit more about these uh, critical attributes that you have mentioned? Absolutely. So, for example, lead by example. And many times when you say lead by example, it sounds very simplistic. But in the corporate world, lead by example means that you know and you do and you understand your own personal job as a manager. Mm -hmm. And you do that job at 150% as it pertains to your team members. So your team members can care less about the functionality of your job. 
They can care less that you have a bunch of tasks that you have to complete. They only care about the parts of your job that directly interacts and affects them. That's all they care about. So I tell leaders all the time, if there's a person on the team that has no business being there, in other words, they've been there for 18 months, they're not productive, they're not doing their job, they come to work with a bad attitude every single day, that affects the other team members. The fact of the matter is, is that that manager should remove that person a long time ago. Now, if he doesn't do that, well, guess what happens? If you call me in to have a one-on-one -on -one coaching session to tell me what it is that I'm supposed to do or not doing, but this person is in, in the environment and has been there for the last 18 months underperforming with a bad attitude, how can you effectively lead or coach that person? I don't know. How does it? It doesn't work. It doesn't work because, yeah, I may be in the room with you and sure, you may try to discipline me, but at the end of the day, how can you do this to me? And this is my first time. And this person has been doing this for the last 18 months. It is going to be very difficult for you to coach and lead someone when that situation exists. In other words, you didn't do your job by removing the cancer from the environment and it's affecting everyone else on the team. Mm -hmm. So leading by example in your take really means being a reliable manager in this sense. So after one has tried to address the issue and this employee failed to adjust their behavior, you need to make the tough choices. Based on what you just said, what leadership style should you demonstrate in that scenario? I feel like it's probably autocratic. It's autocratic leadership. Absolutely. So when we talk about the second one, which is trustworthiness, mm -hmm. it's real simple. Right. You just do what it is that you say that you're going to do. But, but many times managers are so busy at work, they don't always do what they say that they're going to do. And, and many times the team members are accepting of that when it happens. Right. But, but let's just say uh, the manager says, I'm going to do something else for the team members and they don't get around to doing it. Well, I got good news for you. Team members are also accepting of that as well. But when it continues to happen over a period of time, the trust starts to break down, erode, dissipate, whatever word you want to use. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, the managers have created a very toxic environment and gossip starts to happen. And as soon as the managers walk out the door, guess what's happening? The team members are talking about the managers. But you want to call me in to have a one-on-one -on -one coaching session to tell me about what it is I'm doing or not doing. But you don't never seem to keep your word. Mm -hmm. So how does that work? How can you coach me? So if you're not leading by example and there's no trust between you and the employee and you want to have a coaching session with me to tell me what it is I'm doing or not doing, it's a very difficult situation for the manager in to be effective in that scenario. Mm -hmm. The third one is mutual respect. I always like to take managers back to when a mutual respect first starts, which is when you bring on a new hire. And so my question is, is should you give a new hire respect or do they have to earn it? That's always the question. What's your thoughts on that? My thoughts are that they should be given respect because we already hired them. So at least they have gone through, you know, some of our core values and they seem like they are completely in line with those. And so they show up to work and we should be respecting them for who they are and what they have already done. And perhaps, in my opinion, the only 
way it can go is them losing your trust if they actually end up not doing their job. That's a great point. But you're absolutely right. You should give the employee respect. There was a first interview. There was a second interview. And in many cases, there's a third interview. And then we decide to hire the person. Right. There's no reason not to give them respect. But remember, it's all about the manager giving the respect. So when they come on board, the manager has an obligation. They have to break down the rules and regulations, the policies and procedures. They break down their expectations. They give them their 30, 60, and 90-day goals. Then they give them the reporting for them to evaluate themselves on a daily basis to ensure they're on track to achieving the goals. Then you take them through the company's vision. So they understand the value that the organization brings to society. And, and, and in that, they also understand the value that they bring to society within the position that they hold. Then you take them through the company's mission statement so they understand the standard of excellence in which they deliver the company's product and services. And then you take them through an onboarding training program. In many cases, it's one week, two weeks, or three weeks. Well, in some cases, it is. And if you're a great manager, you know they're not going to know all they're supposed to know by the time they get done with that new hire training. You have created a secondary training agenda. You've given it to some person who's been with the company for three, four, or five years. You partner that person up with the new hire for a period of time until they're confident and competent to do the job. And if a manager has done all those things, in other words, they've laid down the foundation, then they've shown the new hire proper respect. It sounds That's like how mutual respect works. A lot of people should follow this, uh, these steps. Yeah. All right. We have still a couple more. Praise, right? We talked about praise. That's number four. Yes. Praise. The big question is this. When do you praise your people? When should that happen? It's always the big question. The common answer that I get to, to that question is, well, Sean, I praise folks every single day, right? Or I praise people when they do a good job. And the fact of the matter is you shouldn't give praise in those scenarios. Now, people, they, they intertwine praise and appreciation. They're different. Appreciation is a one-on-one -on -one expression. Hey, listen, I noticed over the past three weeks that you've been doing A, B, and C extremely well. I just have to say it hasn't gone unnoticed. Keep up the good work. That's appreciation. That's a one-on-one -on -one expression. Praise is an outward expression. When you give praise, the entire team knows about it. So, and I'm not saying that you have to go to the moon and bring back minerals. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but if I ask you to work an additional hour for me on Tuesday, so we work from nine to five, and then you say, you know what? Hey, Sean, I'll give you an extra hour today. Well, that's going above and beyond the call of duty. That's going above and beyond the job description. If an employee does that, we take it for granted. But the fact of the matter is, is that the entire team should know about that. So in the next team meeting that you have, you should say that Jonathan last Tuesday from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock gave us an extra hour out of his life to contribute to the productivity of the organization. And during that time, he accomplished A, B, C, D, and E. And I just want to thank him for a job well done. And that is given in front of all of the employees. Mm -hmm. And you know what's really funny about this is that employees go above and beyond the job description all the time. But guess what's not happening? They don't get praise? They don't get praise for it. 
but you want to call me in to have a one-on-one coaching session to tell me about what it is I'm doing or not doing, but when I do go above and beyond, you never make mention of it. How can you be an effective coach if that's the situation that's happening within your environment? Make sense? Sure, yes, it does. And the last one is experience. And it's not experience like lead by example. It's really experience and understanding people. There's a lot of things that's going on in corporate America today that's different. You have 30% of the workforce has ADD. You have a small percentage of the workforce that's bipolar. You have a small percentage of the workforce that, that struggles with seasonal dysfunctional disorder. You have another percentage of the workforce that's experienced some level of trauma in their life, either early in their life or late in their life. Everyone is going through something, and you have to have the ability to see those things. Now, I want you to understand something. I don't mean that you should start diagnosing people. (laughs) Don't do that because that's illegal. But what I am saying is that you should recognize the signs and be willing to have productive conversations with your employees just to see if you can get them to open up to you. Mm -hmm. So I may bring an employee into the office. I may say something like this. I noticed over the past two weeks that your behavior has changed. And I just want to know, is there something that's going on with you right now that I can assist you with? And see if the employee will open up. There are certain times you have to show a level of compassion and empathy towards your employees. That's where the experience comes into play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Sean, I think we had a really productive conversation. We talked about active listening and being empathic to your employees. We talked about the different kinds of leadership that a leader must master or at least try to practice with their people. We talked about you know, how people need to address the situation at hand in the proper way and not just always be their most natural selves. And we also talked about the core attributes of a, of a good leader and um, without going into the, to the details, we talked about the leader having to be leading by example. We talked about them being trustworthy and giving respect to their employees. And we also talked about perhaps being a really active listener in a sense, being really open to, to their team and their employees. Is there anything else you would like to add to this topic? There are so many, but I will say there's one more that's really critical. And is that the manager should have a vision for the team, mm-hmm. which means that they also have to understand the vision that the company has for the organization. A vision is a realistic and attainable and credible snapshot of the company's future. Mm-hmm. And when you read the vision, every employee should be able to see themselves in it. But every manager and every department head should develop a vision underneath the vision. You know, Martin Luther King once said that he has a dream. You know, you heard the mm-hmm. I have a dream speech. Mm-hmm. He says, I have a dream that is deeply rooted in the American dream. In other words, his quest for equality wasn't his idea. America had the idea of equality, right? It's in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. What he did was he took the vision of America, which was the Constitution, and then he created a vision underneath the vision 
to help execute the main vision. Mm-hmm. Every manager needs to do that. So let me give you an example. One of my clients is, is a dry cleaner, and they have many locations uh, across the country. Well, the CEO of this particular company called me in because he said that many of the, the owners, the franchise owners across the country, they struggle with motivating the people that press the clothes. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a glamorous job, by the way, right? It's right. put the clothes on the press, you press down, you take them off and put the clothes on. It's like a really mundane kind of a job. And so he says, Sean, how do we motivate them? Because they're delivering a bad product. In other words, when I get my clothes, uh, broken buttons, double pleated pants, you know, the whole nine yards, what do we do to motivate them? My question to him was, is what value do they bring to society? And, and he got smart with me. He says, well, what do you mean by that? And I got smart back. Well, I can't break it down any further than that. It's what value do they bring to society? And then he said to me, well, give me an example. I said, sure. I said, when this person pressed this suit, did they know it was going to a son get ready to attend their father's funeral? Or when this person pressed this suit, did they know it was going to the newscaster who was getting ready to receive their Emmy Award at the music theater? Or when this person pressed this dress, did they know it was going to the college student who just graduated getting ready to attend their very first interview? Do they understand the value that they bring to society? Or do they come to work for $9.50 an hour? Which one is it? What did he say? I hope he said the former. He said they come to work for $9.50 an hour. And then I says, that's your problem. They don't understand the value that they bring to society. See, no matter how small you think your job is, there's a certain value that your job brings to the table and it is a necessary component for the company and the organization to be successful. Every employee should understand the weight of their position, and it's very difficult for them to understand that if the manager and the company has not conveyed their vision and they don't see themselves in the vision. Mm-hmm. That's very great example. Thank you very much for that. Um, You're very welcome. Do you have suggestions for our listeners to find you if they want to follow your work or get in touch with you? What should they do? There's a lot of places they can go. They can go to Facebook and just do a a search for my name, which is Sean Fair, Mm -hmm. S-H-A-W-N, F as in Frank, Mm A-I-R. Or they can go to my website, which is www.fairconsultinggroup.com. Or they they can find me on LinkedIn, or they can just Google my name. I'll pop right up. Awesome. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. To our listeners, if you have tried out any of Sean's tips, we are more than happy to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening to Level Up Engineering. Today, our guest was CEO of Fair Consulting Group, Sean Fair. I am Carolina Toth, and I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.